Uh, everybody has, hopefully, the sheet from a couple weeks ago, and I do appreciate uh, Ethan filling in last week when I wasn't feeling good. But you should have the non-moral attributes of God at the top, and if you don't have that, we do, I think, have extra copies out there. I think Jim said there's some copies out there, and Ethan's heading out there for them. Thank you, sir. And we are on number three at the top. Uh, I think you understand when we say non-moral attributes versus those which are moral. When you look at uh, non-moral, those will be things that, uh, characteristics that, for instance, we couldn't really ever, we will never have. We cannot be omnipresent, uh, all-knowing, all-powerful, immutable. These are characteristics of God that he alone holds. And so uh, we're looking at the third one. And uh, I'll wait for just a moment, make sure everybody has uh, a page. They're going to help out. Good. Uh, the first two that we looked at uh, a couple weeks ago, the omnipresence, uh, that will be God is present in all of his creation. You have to be careful with statements like that. They almost can almost be looked at as a, a pantheistic type of a, of a statement. Um, God is not limited to his creation. He is all, everywhere, omnipresent. Um, he is not limited to that which he has created, uh, and we know that because God was before creation, right? So therefore, he does not need cre that which he created to be in existence. And uh, so that's that's that thought. And then the all-knowing, God is all-knowing. Uh, he's not limited to time. He Past, present, future, all the same to God. He knows all things. It's interesting, the times... Even the Lord was on earth. Uh, he knew what was in the, the hearts and minds of man without them even saying it. He knew what their thoughts were, it says at times. And uh, it's interesting. I had uh, somebody call me up and they said, what about Satan? And we'll, we'll get into some of the, the demonology and so forth. But that was an interesting thought. Um, can Satan read thoughts? Does and, and initially you would think, well, yeah, he knows a lot what's going on in my mind, but he's not God. And we have to remember that, that he is limited. He is a creation of God. And, and because of that, I think that he knows, though, I mean, he's been around the block for a while, like a long time, you follow me? And because of him being able to see what happened in creation, to be able to see what he was able to accomplish in Genesis 3 and the continued way the Satan tempts through the lust of flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what he did with Eve. That's what he did with our Savior on earth. And the list goes on. I think he knows what we're made of. He knows our weakness. And I say he and his workers. And so I, don't, I do not believe that he can read thoughts and know exactly what's going on. <clears throat> But I think, because I think he is limited in his mind, but um, still we have to remember that in our flesh, um, we could never even understand or touch what he is and the powers that he does have, though. So that's why we praise God when we say that our God is all-powerful. And he, he cannot be compared even to, to Satan or any other demon. And uh, sure enough, when it comes to man and our limitations, 
we are in an awe of how powerful our God is, and that's the omni or excuse me, omnipotence of our God. He is able to do anything he wills to do. Right? <laughs> I can tell this is going to be a long night. <laughs> yeah, amen. Well, let's think about that. Can God do anything? We, we, you remember the hymn, the old uh, praise song we used to sing, God can do anything but fail, right? So there, there are things that God can't. Uh, can, can God lie? Can God deny himself? Can he be tempted by sin? There's a lot of things, and that is because of who God is. Those things cannot ever be part of him. He is truth, therefore can't be a lie. And so who he is, he will never deny himself. It's interesting when you study out the uh, the life of Christ and the questions that came his way, he never, ever denied who he is. And even to the very end, you know, are you the king? And it's like, you say it. You, you said it. And he never, ever denied himself. Now, clearly, when John was questioned, John the Baptist was questioned about who he was, he clearly said, I am not the one. But he was a messenger of him. Look at, look at Genesis 17, 1. We're going to look at several verses. I apologize these verses weren't there on point three, but you'll be able to write them and pen them in. So the first one is point, with point three. The omnipotence is Genesis 17, 1. We have looked at this at another time. We'll see it quickly. Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And we, this is when we were talking about the names of God. And Shaddai, there, Almighty, and literally can be translated, uh, He is sufficient. The one who is sufficient. Now, what do we mean by He is sufficient? I'm sorry? He's all we need, right? I agree with that. What else? But with his character, I agree with that. But we're talking about God saying of himself, I am sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, way, he is. And because of God not being caused... He is the one who, and we're going to talk about that a little later on with the immutability of our God also, he is always going to therefore be the same. And he is the all-powerful one. He doesn't need a generator. He does not need an alternator. He is always the same power as he always has been. Uh, a couple other verses we want to look at. Revelation. Actually, let's go to the Matthew. We'll just do them in order. Matthew and chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26 here. These are going to be pretty familiar verses uh, to you. You know, this question about who then can be saved, talking about the rich man, you know, how he can, you know, it's easier for uh, for the camel to go through the eye of a, of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And then the men are like, well, who can be saved? And that's the thought. It's like, it's, it's like impossible 
So Jesus says in verse 26, when and Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And when you think about it, God, through his power, is capable of saving. Secondly, Peter tells us that not only does the power of God save, but it is the power of God that keeps us saved, it tells us, who are kept by the power of God through faith. So it is that which comes from God that enables, that empowers us, keeps our salvation, guards us, etc. Revelation is the next one. In chapter 4, verse 8. We'll look at two different ones in Revelation. The first was in chapter 4, verse number 8. The four beasts, and each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy. And we'll come back to that because once we get through the uh, non-moral attributes, we'll be getting into the moral attributes, and this is the first one, the holiness of God. And then he has the phrase, God gives us the phrase, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. The thought of the same yesterday, today, and forever. Constantly there. Also, Revelation 19, and this is a good one, chapter 19 and verse number 6. Revelation 19, verse 6. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and the voice of many waters as the voice of mighty thunders, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. So here God's tying together with His power and the, the fact that He is over top, reigning over top of this whole world, this earth, the universe, and he always will be. And by the way, when you watch the news tomorrow morning, remember that. Okay? Because sometimes we can see all the discouragement and what's going on, and it's like, who's in control? God is in control. And he is reigning over top of this earth. And even when this time of period of the revelation is going on and all of the, the battles and the wars and such, you see, God is constantly the one that's in control. All-powerful. As we think about our God being all powerful, God has limited Himself to some extent by giving free will to His rational creatures. In other words, as we reason. And that is why He did not keep sin out of the universe by a display of His power and why he does not save anyone by force. Now, in a way we're tying together, maybe some would look at the word sovereignty of God, the power, we're talking about the will of God, and when we get into that a lot of times the word sovereignty comes into place also. And some are, are a little confused with this because the thought is, since God is all-powerful, there is no way then that his will cannot be done then. 
if God is all-powerful and He wills it, it must be done then. Makes sense, right? And yet, <clears throat> what happened in the garden? And by the way, Genesis is probably the most important book for you and I to understand. The, the longer I get into this, it is just incredible, the major doctrines that are established in Genesis for us to understand the rest. Why in the world would God have put the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the garden? Did He not have the power to pluck that tree up and to keep it from the garden? Did God intentionally put that there just to make man stumble and fall? Did He put it there to say, I'm going to make them stumble and fall? God wasn't the one tempting in the text, was He? He was the one warning. Don't eat. And yet, He put it there. What is God trying to teach you and I about Himself and His creation and His interaction with creation? I'm sorry? Okay, so God can do whatever He wants. I agree. But we're dealing with His will and the interaction with man, His creation. So God, in His sovereignty, and in His all power, and His will, created man originally with a will. And knowing if they ate of that, it would create death for the entire universe that was at that point perfect, except for the Satan and the fallen angels. And so when we look at that and, and discover that, we see then throughout the Scriptures for God, that God has created you and I, human beings, with a will. Now, is it possible for our will to go against the very will of God? Since he is created. But now, my question I'm not trying to confuse you, but how can our will ever go against the will of God if he is all powerful and it's what he wants? How could we ever go against him then if we are controlled by him? Because he gave us a will. And so people can't get their brains around that. They just can't reason in their minds. Sovereignty of God, His will, it must be done. And so what we see here in Genesis and other places is that there is a choice that the lost have. There is also a choice that we have. There were choices that Israel had, as we talked about Sunday morning. Israel, choose this day who you're going to serve. By the way, in that text, and maybe I'm stretching it, but I, I think you're following where I'm going. <clears throat> These people that he is talking to are, are into really bad idolatry. And Now follow me. Just because they are the elect of God, the nation of Israel, because they're there, did that make them saved? He's reaching out in my mind to lost people who were of the nation of Israel that were choosing to bow down to Baal for the convenience and a lot of other things. In fact, I wish I would have uh, read my devotions a day before because Jeremiah, those devotions were going through 
the very same thing. And in that, that time period, they were saying, "Listen, you know, we believe in the Queen of Heaven, and we're 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 going after uh, her and believing in her because every time we have, everything's been going really good for us here on this earth. And as soon as you're saying get away from her and go to God, then everything goes bad. Why would we want to change? And I'm sure a lot of that was going on with the Baal worshippers. Is Satan is saying, let me dangle just some good times for you out here and make you feel good. <clears throat> but sure enough, it had to come to a head. And that's when Elijah the prophet came in. And uh, that's that thought of choice. And the world has a choice. We see it in the book of Acts over and over again. We see it in the life of Christ. So this, this goes on. Um, he does limit himself. Even when our Savior came to this earth, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He humbled himself and became a man. As we studied in Hebrews, uh, he came, became our high priest. He came to this earth uh, in that, that, if you will, body that had the capability of dying, just like you and I. That body that could eat, needed sleep, thirsted, you know, all of those things that we go through, our Savior went through to associate and understand what we go through. The next time He comes, He's not coming in that body of sin. Now, He's a sinner. I didn't say that. I'm saying He had a body that had that, that temptation. He, he went through all the things that you and I go through, yet without sin. <clears throat> Our God <clears throat> limited Himself as the Son of Man as He came here. In heaven, all in all. But He limited Himself. And these are the thoughts of, and you say, well, well why will God do it? <clears throat> to save us, to understand us, to feel what we feel, so that He can be our faithful high priest. And so there are areas, and, and, and with this whole thing, of, and I've got to keep moving here, with this whole thing of, of God being all-powerful, think about, you remember the verse there in James and chapter 2, you believe there's one God, you do well, but the, the devils also believe in what? They tremble. These angelic being, beings have been with God. They have seen His power. They were there crying and heralding His name at creation. They saw it happening and worshiped God at that time period. And even those who fell away, um, God says there is a trembling inside of them at the very thought of who God is. All-powerful. <clears throat> Even the demons, there's times that when Jesus was here on this earth and He would go up to men that were possessed, the demons would cry out to Christ out of absolute fear. <clears throat> it's because they knew their destination. They know their judgment. And it's like, are you coming now? Is, is this the time? Scared is what they were. This, um, this thing of all powerful God. I think that <clears throat> there are times in our prayer lives that we sense and maybe scratch the surface of the power of, of our God. If there is anything that you and I, I believe, 
can can understand and be able to be able to associate a little bit with what our God has in Himself, it is it is done through prayer. <clears throat> we don't even as a church in myself, we don't pray near as much as we should. I mean, I enjoy Bible studies, teaching all on this, but prayer is, is so important. And that's why, you know, if you do have a little bit of time, you can break away into the rooms and, and pray. I encourage you to do that. Um, prayer time is a vital part. And I realize not everybody is comfortable with praying out loud. You don't have to pray out loud. Just pray silently. But be in prayer. And uh, I think when we, as that old phrase says, little prayer, little power, much prayer, much power, there is something about uh, getting the heart of our God moving in his strength. Um, and here, let me, let me tell you another thing. Have, have, I don't know if you've gone through this cycle of life, but there are times when you can just sense Satan working and Satan working and working overtime in everything around you. You know what I have found? Hang in there because God's about ready to, to step in. Because he's going to be faithful to be there. He's not going to let you on your own with Satan. You follow me? And it is, it is about about a month ago, man, we were going through a lot of things. Um, and so Lori and I are just doing some a little extra prayer time. And um, with that, it's, you can almost sense the spiritual battle that was going on. And it was that one morning that you could just see that Satan was defeated. And we have people getting saved and some good things happening. And that's what I'm trying to help you to realize. Satan will attack. He does do his things and his demonic forces, etc. And yet don't think that, that we have lost God's presence and his power in our lives. We haven't lost that. There are times that God allows us to go through these things so that we do pray so God can come through to let us realize it's not me that's doing it, it is God that's doing it. And that's where we get to see the power of God in our in our lives now. The uh, immutability of our God, I want to try to get through this one yet tonight too, is uh, God, our God, He cannot change. He cannot get better. He cannot go backwards. He is absolutely perfect and always has been. He cannot become wiser. He cannot become more holy, more just, more merciful. He cannot be less either. God is immutable, and this is also due to His necessary being and self-existence. You'll remember that phrase from before, that which exists uncaused. That's our God. God was not an effect of another from another cause. He always is. He is the cause of everything. He is the cause of life and light, and salvation, and creation, and everything stems from His very being. And because of that very thought, by the necessity of its nature, must exist as it does. Meaning, God can't ever change. What He began, He continues. Um, it's hard for us uh, in our in our life, to, under, to wrap our brain around something that doesn't change. Uh, I remember my mom, uh, they were in Pennsylvania, and they had wanted to go to Alabama 
because they go down to Alabama just like, you know, when you visit someplace, it's always perfect. Okay? So eventually, you know, they were able to go to this semi-retirement thing, and they moved to Alabama and uh, worked at a hardware store down there. And um, through the process time, you know, it, it wasn't as quite as what they thought. So my, my dad passes away, and my mom says, well, first thing I'm going to do is I'm moving back to Pennsylvania. So she moved back to Pennsylvania, and guess what she realized? Pennsylvania isn't the same as it was when she was there with Frank, you know. Um, everybody's busy and jobs, and we've grown up and things like that. So she decided after about two years, she's going to move back down to Alabama. You know what happened when she went down to Alabama? It wasn't the same either. The church had changed. Everything had changed. And it's hard sometimes for us to think. We, we always think it's going to be the same. And it, nothing stays the same here for us. And that's why it's hard for us to wrap our mind around our God in his consistency. That his care for you is there. As it was yesterday, it will be tomorrow, and it's always there. And we're going to see, for instance, his mercy endureth forever. That comes from our God who doesn't change. Now, matter of fact, there's one verse that says that our God doesn't repent. In other words, you know, the gifts and callings of God. They're without repentance. God's not going to change his mind about Israel. Sorry, you know, I'm, I'm done with you guys. He's not going to do that. And yet, it repented God that he had made man in Genesis 6. Ooh. I, mean, I thought God didn't repent. I'm trying to put this whole thing together. What's the distinction between God... And what we're seeing in Genesis 6, we're getting our thinking caps on a little bit here tonight. Does God himself change? Go ahead, Dave. There you go. Right. And the same thing with Genesis 6. With man and that's right. So God is actually reacting based on the decisions and the works of man. He himself, he does not change, but he does interact with man based on decisions that they will do or will not do. We're going to see that later on, also when we get into the uh, the moral attributes of, of, of our God. Um, and boy, I'm, I, know I'm gonna, I knew I was going to run out of time tonight. I wanted to really get into that first one because these like really just tie together. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the, the, some of the thoughts. Um, for instance, in, uh, oh, I think it's in Deuteronomy, talking about the justice of God and, and then also Psalm 119, all of that. Um, and that's actually down to the next point with the justice. He says that he's saying this. Listen, if you do what's right, you're going to get my blessings. You break my commandments, I'm going to come down on you. That's paraphrasing, big time. And and the thought is, I want in my mind to be blessing you because that is my character. That is who I am. But if you will not obey then I'm not going to be blessing, then I have to come in 
and bring the justice, and because of my character that I am holy, I, I need to come in and to correct then is a result of that. And that's why God, you know, you say, well, you would think that God would like do that like <clears throat> within the first 30 seconds, wouldn't you? I mean, wouldn't you think, you know, it's like Israel did it again. That's it. Stepping right in. What? You know, and yet the, the character of God is so patient and so long-suffering that he says, I'm waiting. I'm going to wait for you. And just like you were saying, there with the garden, with the tree, you know, it's like God is so patient and waiting for man to choose him. And if he if man chooses him, then God is receiving honor and glory. And that's why Satan is after our worship, because if if Satan can get our worship towards him, then God is is put away, put aside, and an idol is created. And men are falling down and worshiping him instead of the true living God. And that's when God is saying, I'm waiting. That's why he told uh, Israel, I am a jealous God. I, I'm not going to put up with you, you know, bowing down before Satan. I'm going to be stepping in. And it's not because God is, um, uh, you know, usually when we use the word jealous, it's, it's usually in a negative way, isn't it? And, and not so in this text. And our God is being jealous because of, of, of who he is and what he has done, what he has provided, etc. Our, our God is unchanging. Let's go ahead and you're probably familiar with the James 1.17, but we'll, we'll read them. And that way we can be familiar if you're not familiar with them. I did preach on this out of Hebrews not long ago. James 1.17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And of course, uh, back in the Psalms, and we see it there in chapter 102. Psalm 102 and verse 26. Psalm 102 and verse 26. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment, as a vesture. And shalt thou change them? They shall be changed. But verse 27, But thou art the same, and thy years have no end. So you actually should be putting verse 27 along with that. Uh, the same thought there in Hebrews and 1. We'll go ahead and read those since we have them. Hebrews chapter 1. And verse number 12. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and this is talking about the earth, if you're not familiar with the text, and they shall be changed, but thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. So there again, immutability of our God, and in the classic is chapter 13 and verse 8, and that's where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Never changes. Uh, these four things that we have talked about, we can only experience it because God, because of because of our God. We we receive the blessings because of our God, knowing all things, is everywhere, is all powerful, and He's always consistent. Uh, we are not these. Can't be. The next list that we're going to be going through 
every one of those words, holiness, justice, and so forth, those are attributes because they are moral attributes of our God that we are to be inheriting. We are to have them as Christians in our lives also. Will we ever be um, as God is perfectly in His holiness? Now these are some of the things you have to think about. Um, the only way we will ever be able to experience full uh, holiness as close as we can with our God is when we're finally in heaven, the brand new body and such. But we will, you know, we, we can never say that we're going to be God. You, you follow me? Because that's the Mormon philosophy. We will never become God. We will never, you know, there's no way from our God being eternal and so forth that what we have, we're going to be like Him, for, we're going to see Him as He is, and we're going to have this brand new body, and we won't have to worry about sin anymore, and, and we can't wait. Uh, but our God is so supreme. The holiness that we have, the holiness that we will have, is because of our God. It is it's an extension that comes from Him, and that's why He says, Be holy as I am holy in our actions and such while we're here. And so we'll, we'll get into some of these non-moral attributes, or excuse me, moral attributes uh, next. Okay, questions about the omni presence or any of these? Any questions, comments? Sir? I change not. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And uh, this is, yeah, I appreciate that because, you know, there are other verses that you will be discovering as you read and you're having your devotions and, and preparing your Sunday school lessons. So this is, this is, this is doctrines 101. So this is just a basic foundation. And, and the thing is, just like Bill was saying, what your our job is then is as we're reading, look for those characteristics in God's interaction and what he says of himself, just like that, because God is telling us of himself. That's the only way he's going to, we're going to be able to know about who our God really is, is by what God has explained about, about himself. Good point, Bill. I changed on. Anybody else? I serve Brother John. There you go. That's right. Well, with, uh, <clears throat> without the tainting of sin, that, that's the thing I can't wait for. I can't wait to be in heaven and go through, quote-unquote, a half hour and not have a bad thought. I can't even imagine that, being able to go through a day in heaven and, and not have feelings that are negative, worries as I have them here, you know, burdens, you know, I, I, I can't wait. And, and there again, I think that's going to be uh, part of that holiness is it is the separation of sin totally from our lives that our, there's never going to be jealousy and envy. You know, everything is proper unit and and. It's, it's just fascinating to me what, what God's going to be doing for us. 
Yeah, that's a point coming up. I can't remember where. <laughs> He's definitely going to be one of those you have to look at. Um, there again, because I'm going through it in Jeremiah with, with, with the devotions, um, a lot of that same thing was there because, um, you know, he, he goes to the nations that God used, like Babylon, to put Israel into captivity. And then after he uses these lost nations to put them out into captivity, he kind of goes to them, I'm going to paraphrase again, and say, how dare you go after my elect? Who do you think you are to touch my people? I'm going to get you now. <laughs> you know, there is, that's God. You know, he can use the lost, and then he's going to show himself uh, through, you know, what he does, and it, it's just neat. Um, so how do we apply a principle of a blessing that our God is everywhere. Quickly, talk to me. What's your application? That God is everywhere. He's always there. We're never alone. That He knows all things. What's that bless? How's that a blessing to you? He knows what we have need of before we even ask. So he knows the details. Cindy, did you have something too? No. His all power. How is that a blessing to you? (laughs) Okay, he's already won the battle for us, right? God can't lose. Immutability. How is that a blessing to you? God is never in a bad mood. <laughs> That's right. He doesn't change. That's right. Consistency with all those blessings. Good. That's how we start. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. By the very power. Yeah, that's exactly right. All righty. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this brief study uh, on these attributes. And we could be spending weeks weeks on each one of these looking at you and how you interacted with the church age, how you interacted with the Old Testament saints, and how it applies to us today. But Lord, we've, we've uh, given each other a little bit of a taste for the meaning of these. Now, Lord, it is our job now to study it out, to see you and your power, and I pray that you will be honored and glorified as as a result of us digging deeper to learn more about you and your character. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.